uh, different this time. We never finished the Parsha. So I printed the Aliyah summary from Chabad.org. So we are at least going to finish the Parsha. Okay, we got a lot of stuff going on this week. Okay, first of all, we have a double Parsha. Okay, We're, do we have Vayakal and Pekudei. We also have, that means eight. Because we have a double Parsha, it means we also have uh, we're Chazak. We're finishing the whole Chumash as well. Can you imagine our second? This is our second. This is our second Chumash that we're finishing together. So that's also and yeah, it's also Shabbos Mavarchim. We just did that. <laughs> we literally just did. I'm telling you, Shabbos Mavarchim is coming as quickly as Shabbos. That's what it feels like these days. And um, and we also have two Sefer Torahs. It's Parsha Tachodras this week. So we have a lot of things that we need to do. We need to discuss, okay? So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about the Aliyahs. First Aliyah is the day after Moshe comes back from, with the, after, from, comes down with uh, the second set of, the second Luchos, which is the day after Yom Kippur. He gathers all the Jewish people. He talks, he's going to start talking about the building of the base of the Mishkan, but he starts with Shabbos, Okay. Um, and then we start having the, then it start, the first Aliyah still has the description of all the different items that are made, the vessels, blah, blah, blah. And everybody donated ge- uh, generously. The second Aliyah, Moshe t- tells us that Betzal and Aliyah are going to be the contractors for, the, for this project. And they give them all the things. No, that doesn't make sense. Oh, they, it's, it's, a lot of it's going to be very familiar. It's not from last week. It's from two weeks ago and three weeks ago, right? It's from Turum and Tetzave. We're having a lot of this stuff is going to be, is going to be showing oh, up here. Right, so they give all the stuff to they give all the stuff to Bitzal and Aliyev, and within two days, the people who are in charge of the work come and say, "Don't bring any more. We have everything that we need to build the house of Hashem." Right, shortest building campaign ever. Okay, and then it talks about making it and all. Then and now the next couple of Aliyahs are going to be super familiar. It has the, almost the repeat, and you'll if you if you're doing if you're following along in Chumash um, when we do Chitas. There are very few Rashi's here because everything's been said already in Truman Tetzave. So you have the repeat of all the information that's going on, what, what was made. It, okay, then the, in the fourth Aliyah, we actually cross over into the next Torah portion, which is Pekudei. And Parsha's Pekudei... Is that no, this is the fourth Aliyah. The fourth Aliyah is going to cross over into Pekudei and it's going to start off, Parshas Pekude is going to start off with Moshe Pakid. He's giving an exact accounting of every single bit of gold and silver and copper. He doesn't give an exact accounting of all the threads and stuff like that. Um, he, the people want to know where did the money, show me the money. So Moshe tells him exactly where the money goes. That's the Ravi, that's the fourth Aliyah. But remember, if you're looking in your Chumash, you actually have to look, because I made this mistake yesterday as I was doing Chumash, and I'm like, I know it's a double Parsha, and I stopped at Shani. And guess what? You don't stop at Shani. When t- the Torah portions are combined, you need to find where it says when they are combined. Okay? So I, it was actually at the end of the second Aliyah. So re- the fourth Aliyah crosses over into Pekudei, um, and then we have, so Moshe gives an accounting of everything, then we have in the fifth Aliyah, we have the clothing of the, of the Kohen Gadol is discussed. The, the fifth and sixth is the clothing of the Kohen Gadol and the Kohanim. And then they bring everything to Moshe. And the seventh Aliyah is where Moshe, let's go to the end, end, end of the Chumash, everybody. Let's go to the end, to the seventh Aliyah, all the way at the end. Why is it a second? Shvi, the Shvi, she, she is the sixth Aliyah. So if you go to the sixth Aliyah, which is chapter 40, verse 17, it's the first month in the second year, on the first day of 
uh, the month Hukam HaMishkan, the Mishkan is actually established, which is the sixth Aliyah, back up a little bit. Okay, so when is the first month in Torah? We say Chodesh HaRishon is Nisan. So the first day of, of Nisan, the month, is, the, sorry, not the month, the first day of Nisan, the Mishkan is actually set up, which means, and we know this from later on in a different parsha, they have a week sort of like rehearsal for the, for the building, for the putting up the Mishkan, taking it down, putting it up, taking it down. That's when Moshe does all the service. He's the Kohen Gadol. He brings all the sacrifices and everything. And that starts on the 23rd day of the month of Adar, which means if today is the 20th of Adar, today, like today, today is the 20th, in three days, they would be starting to put together the Mishkan for the week trial, like the rehearsal, where Moshe is the acting Kohen Gadol. So that's kind of another special thing that's going on this week. And um, uh, so that's, so, uh, so, uh, so in the sixth Aliyah, so the first day of the first month, the Mishkan is erected. Moshe puts it all together. He does everything. He puts, he puts the Ark and the this, and he puts all the stuff in the place. And he, it says he puts all the pieces and all the vessels he puts them in, puts up the curtains. Okay, and then what happens, um, and then Moshe, on the first day, I'm tripping over it. On the first day of Nisan is when he's actually dressing Aaron and dressing his sons and getting them to do the service, right? So he's doing that. Um, and then Maftir is that what happens? It's all put together and Moshe finishes all the work and Maftir starts off by the cloud of glory. Oh my gosh, I'm losing my words. Um, uh, covers the whole Mishkan, covers the Almoid and it fills it up. And they couldn't come in right away, and then they and then the the ark came up a little bit, um, and then they were going to be able to go in. And when one second, and then we have the let's finish together when the ark when the when the cloud lifts up, Bnei Yisrael traveled with through all their journeys. And if it didn't, if the if the cloud sat on top of the Mishkan, then they stayed there until it lifted. And the last pasuk is ki an Hashem Mishkan because the cloud of Hashem was on the tabernacle yaimam all day long and a fire was there at night in the eyes of all the people for all of their journeys. And everybody says, when the show, when, when we, oh my gosh! And everybody says. Chazak, chazak, we should be strong, we should be strong, we should be strengthened. And the last thing that we're walking away, and we're going to come back to this, um, we're going to come back to this as it, when we finish our class, but the place of, to understand that the cloud of Hashem and the fire of Hashem leads us in all of our journeys is not only true of the Jews in the desert, but in our own lives as well. The, light, the cloud of Hashem and the fire of Hashem leads us through all of our journeys, wherever it is that we're going, whatever it is that we're doing. Hashem is there leading the way. We don't always see it. It's not always so visible. That was one of the nice benefits of, having, of being in the desert was that you got to see it like there was an actual cloud and there was an actual fire. And just because we don't actually see a pillar of fire saying, go in this direction, doesn't mean that Hashem isn't leading us in the direction that he wants us to go. So that's, I guess, my first and opening bracha for us, that we should be able to, to see and sense that Hashem is, in fact, leading us where we go. So now that we finished the whole, we finished everything. This is great. Like, yay, we're finished. Can I ask my question? Yes, you can ask your question. Is your question. one year post, by the way? 
This is, yeah, because it says in the, in, we're from leaving the Exodus. Leaving the Exodus. Yes, because it says, it says in Shishi, on the first day of the first month in the second year. So second year from leaving Egypt, from leaving Exodus, leaving Egypt. Look. It was in the first month. Bishana Hashem is in the second year, on the first day of the month. The Mishkan is set up. If they leave Egypt, on the 14th of Nisan, in the year 2448, we are now talking about the first of Nisan in the year 2449. Uh, creation years. Creation years. It's in the second, just like what chapter of Tehillim do you say for yourself? You're in the second year. You've already started the second year. Okay? And also remember, like we, end, we do end up playing with different years because the way we count Jewish time and... Di- we count different things for different things. So we have Tishrei, which is the seventh month, is the start of the count for years. But Nisan is the count for, like for, for, for nation of Israel stuff. So Exodus, we, that's, why it's, that's why it's called the first month in Torah. It's the first because we're talking the kings get counted from the first of Nisan. Different things happen. So if something happened a little bit before, we're now changing years in Nisan. Did that make any sense in English? Kinda, but I'm also so Okay, so bottom line, the bottom line is that they actually leave, they leave Egypt on the 14th day of Nisan in the year 2448 from creation. Yes. And this is going to happen in the next year. This is 2449, the first day of Nisan that they're setting up the Mishka. Okay. Now, remember, what happens was that when they left Egypt, 49 days later, they had revelation. 50 mm-hmm. days, what? Not mana. Not, 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 we're leaving the mana out of this. The mana came at 30-something days. But um, typical Jews go on a three-day journey. have enough food for 37 meals, but we won't go there, right? But uh, so they leave Egypt. 49 days later, they have revelation at Sinai. The day after, Moshe goes up to get, for 40 days, to get the Torah to bring down the first Luchos. He comes down to the golden calf debacle. And now we're just sort of picking up from after so that, it's not even a year. It's not even a year. What's it a long time? It is very quick. It is all very, very quick. It's very quick that happens. Like, imagine they're making a home for Hashem. It's not even a year ago that they left Egypt. It's, it's two weeks short of having left Egypt. So, like, this is massive. This is a lot to happen in a short period of time. Like, a year of... In the life of the Jewish nation, they've actually only become a nation less than a year ago. Yeah. It's like there's a lot, a lot been going on. We've got to give them a little bit of a okay. Uh, Beseder. This year, it's not this year. This week we have two Torah scrolls, right? Um, we're bringing. This is the last of our four Torah portions. Maftir is going to be read from the second Torah. It is Parshas Hachodesh. It is going to be the section where we talk about a, a making a calendar and how we work the, lo, the solar and the lunar, that we make a calendar so that we have to make sure that, our, that Pesach stays in the spring. So the first mitzvah that the Jews are given while they're still in Egypt is to establish a Jewish calendar. And that is going to be the last of the four special parshios, which we said multiple times. It's not a full parsha. It's going to be a bunch of verses. It's the second Sefer Torah. It's going to be read as Maftir. Okay? I want to make one comment about... Do you par- have to go to show? 
It is not a biblical commandment to, to well, hear Parshat HaKodesh. So that was a question. You're right. For all, the people, for all the people who would rather not, yes. Is it a good thing to go? Yes. Also remember, and, and we're going to come back to this, it's also Chazak this week. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of reasons to go to Shul. There's also multiple reasons, I'm sure, to not go to Shul. But I'm just saying, um, yeah. So, um, so, Parshat, so HaKodesh is going to be Maftir. It's going to be our second Torah. It's going to be our second reading. And I want to say one thing that I've talked about multiple times, but I still feel that it bears repeating. Parshas HaChodesh is the, the message to us that we have to do everything. You know, is the answer yes or, you know, A or B? The answer is yes, right? Do we have to be solar, steady, consistent, show up all the time? Yes. Do we have to be lunar, creative, coming, going, you know, how the moon ebbs and flows? Do we have to be that? Yes. How do you marry those two together? That's going to be the trick, right? And if we were given any one of those jobs, we would have done it to perfection. Like if, if you tell me, show up, be solar, just yalla, every single day, do what you need to do, blah, 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 then um, we would do it. And you say, be creative and be energetic and bring your own personality and your own creativity to the situation, we would do it. But we're being asked to do both. We're being asked to show up and be responsible and consistent every single day and still bring our passion and our fire into whatever it is that we're doing. And that is the ultimate trick. Like if you talk about what's like, where's the hat trick, that is the hat trick. To say, to do one or the other is almost as hard as that is it, as hard as it is, it's, you can do it. But now, how do you do both of those things, which to our little minds seem not to line up so well, right? How do, you, how do you be super creative and energetic and passionate all the time? That's going to be, and that's really what Parshat HaKodesh is telling us. That's what Hashem is asking us. When he says to make the Jewish calendar, we're going to read it. Yeah, it's the fourth, uh, it's Maftir. So that's going to be this, that's sort of, it's not just telling us that we have to do it, but it also is giving us power to tell us you could do it. You know what I mean? And that, I think, is where we, today none of us are sitting around and making calendars. We don't have to. There's a perpetual calendar. My math isn't good enough to do it. I don't know enough of the astronomy to do it. So, but I think what do we, talk, what do we walk away from the whole idea of Parshas HaChodesh, of creating this calendar and creating this relationship with Hashem that is both based on the sun and based on the moon, is like we're getting power to do that. We're really getting the energy and, and you know, it's, it's a bracha that we're being given. It's not easy, but it's definitely something that Hashem is saying. I'm not just saying this because I think it's a, a cute little thing, but I think that you're able to do it. And I think that that's something that we, we work our hardest to try and do both. Okay. Um, Wait, so when do we chazak? After the first two or after all of it? No, 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 no. They're going to say chazak. They're going to say chazak when we finish reading the first, from the first Torah scroll, when they get to the end. The Masayim, and everybody's going to say, chazak, chazak, vinit chazak. That's what's going to happen, okay? Before we get into our parsha, I also want to say one more thing. Like I said, this week is Shabbos Mubarakim, and we are blessing the month of Nisan. We're blessing the month of Nisan. Okay, so, so I want to give us a bracha. Not just say, oh, we have to say Tillam. Whoever wants to. <laughs> I, got a slow, I got that vibe a little bit. But um, no, but I want to I give us all a bracha, really. 
that that this place of being open. Nisan is is the month of the ultimate of redemption. It, its name says, "I am a miracle," right? And I want to give us a bracha that we should be open to the miracles that Hashem wants to give us with an adder energy from a place of joy, not to say Pesach, oh Nisan. We want to like we got it. Tap into it from a place of such joy and understanding. Like, this is beautiful stuff Hashem wants to give us. Hashem wants to give us miracles, miracles, and we have to make, we have to be a healthy, happy receptacle to receive all those, all those miracles. And that's some, one of the things that we're doing. When we bless the month of Nisan in the month of Adar, we're, we're, we're putting those two things together. We're putting the joy and the miracles together. So, yeah, of course. We are going to be happy when we see miracles. But I want to give us a bracha that we should be open to seeing miracles. And we should be, just like Miriam and the women who left Egypt, we should be ready. We should be ready to say thank you for the miracles. Because that's, that's part of the simcha, understanding that it's coming and being able to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now let's go to the parsha. You have a question? Um, I did. I don't remember. <laughs> I will. Um, you can come back to me. Okay. I want to say one last thing, and then we're really getting into the Parsha. Um, Parsha's Vayakil was the last time we had a Fabrengan. We had a Fabrengan from the Rebbe. Um, really? Yeah. Parsha's Vayakil, the Rebbe spoke about, uh, he had, there was a Fabrengan, it was Shabbos Vavarchim, and he spoke, and we'll talk a little bit about what he spoke at that last Fabrengan. And the Monday after, when he went to the oil, to his father in law, was when he had his, his stroke, and he didn't speak again after that. So there's something very powerful about the last message that we got. And one of the things that the Rebbe speaks about in that Fabrengan is the idea of the Vayaka and Pukude are sometimes together and sometimes separate. Now in the year that the Rebbe spoke, Vayaka and Pukude were not together. They were two separate Torah portions. But he spoke about what is the difference between the overarching theme of Vayakel and Pukude. And Vayak question. What's the question? How is it split sometimes? Vayakal and Pukude are two Torah portions. Yeah, but why is it? Sometimes they're combined. Why? It has to do with the calendar and how many weeks we need and blah, blah, blah. So like last year, what was it? Like I don't remember. Together? Usually, okay, usually, last year was a, a leap year. Yeah. Usually in a leap year, um, all the Torah portions are opened up and separate because we have an extra month. The, it, it basically goes between the calendar and when Chag falls out because when you have Chag on Shabbos, that overrides the Shabbos reading. Because yeah. Chag has its own special reading. Pesach, on Sha- when, when Pesach falls out on Shabbos, yeah. we don't read the Parsha of the Shabbos, we read the Parsha of Pesach. We read the reading of Pesach. Well, can't you do both? We don't do both. You could, but we don't. We pause the regular order of reading and we read whatever the holiday reading is going to be. So depending on the year, when the holidays fall out and what's going on, that's when we have open or separate so, uh, Torah portions. So this year in Chatzaret, no, 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 no. So, okay. This year, um, what happens is, is the first days of Chag in Chutz Laaretz is a three-day Yantif. Okay? In Israel, we have a, a, we have a, there's a break in the middle. But I'm not talking about that. Because for us, there's still special reading for Chalamoid. So that everything, as long as it's under Pesach, we have special reading. On the other end, Chag starts Tuesday night and Wednesday in America, it's going to go Wednesday night and Thursday. So their Shabbos is still going to be 
a regular reading, not a Chag reading. So we're going to be on track this year. Last year, if you remember, we had, we had not Shabbos. No, we had only Shabbos and they had Chag. So we were off Torah readings for a very, very long time last year after Pesach. So that's not going to happen this year. Um, oh, so the Rebbe was speaking about Vayakel Zedia. If you look inside, let's look into the beginning of Vayakel. Vayakel Moshe's Kaladas B'nei Yisrael. He gathers all the Jewish people and he says to them, these are, the, these are the things that Hashem told me to tell you. And he starts off saying, for six days you should do work and on the seventh day, it's holy, it should be Shabbos for you. Everybody who does work on that day, you must, is going to die. And we know, the, the, we talk about this a lot, that the what do we not do on Shabbos is the creative work that was done in the Mishkan, right? And the one example that they bring over here is, Lo Shabbos. Do not bring fire, uh, do not, do not you know, go take fire through your, through your, your, your dwelling places on Shabbos, okay? Um, and then Moshe starts to tell people about what do we have to do to take the truma, to take the this, da 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 da. Okay. Um, one of the things that that Rabbi Sachs points out is that when the Jewish people remember last week we had the golden calf, mm-hmm. and when the Jewish people went to Aaron, it says Vayikalu Ha'amel Aaron. They all gathered to Aaron. So now. Moshe is trying to create a holy congregation. He's going to a kihila. Anybody ever heard the expression of a kihila, of a community? So he's going to make a community of all the Jewish people. Okay? And he's in, in direct um, uh, opposition to how they made their kihila. When they came to fight Aaron and they said, we want a golden calf, Moshe didn't say, the idea of a kihila, the idea of a community is a very, very good thing, but um, maybe not to build a golden calf, but let's build something else for Hashem. And, and Rabbi Sachs talks about the juxtaposition of like them wanting to have a place for Hashem, mm-hmm. but they messed up because they didn't say, what does Hashem want of me? They said, what do we want of this relationship? And so therefore, that's one of the, that's one of the big issues with the golden calf. Okay? So here... So, so back to what the Rebbe is talking about, he's saying that the whole idea of Vayakil is this idea of community, of all of us together, of creating one thing together, okay? And, in, in, and somehow, um, and this is, I'm sort of paraphrasing the Rebbe's words, in a community, the, what's important is the community, right? Now, what happens is Pekude, Pekude Moshe counts every single item. He counts all the gold, he counts all the silver, he counts all the copper. It's an accounting. It's very specific. What was this used for? What was that used for? What was the other used for? And so Pekude highlights the idea of every single person as an individual. What is your individual worth? What, is, what do you contribute? Meaning not so much what you contribute in the base. That makes sense, but like in that place of counting and accounting, that's really what Pakude does. It talks about the individual worth and the individual is highlighted in this place of Pakude. And so one of the things that the Rebbe was talking about in that last Farbrengen was the idea that we need to have both. On the one hand, we need to have a community. But on the other hand, a community isn't a blurb of just like whatever's good for the, you know, like whatever's good for the community. Who am I and what am I bringing into the community is very, very important, meaning it's when they're together, as they are this year, Vayakla and Pakude tell us, we need to be a community, but we also need to very much be individuals 
in that community, everybody, when Moshe says to them, bring what you want, right? We know there's, we spoke about it last week, there was one truma, there was one donation that everybody gave the same, but the other place was, what do you want? What do you want to bring to the house of Hashem? So we're not only talking about the people who brought the tchelet and the argamon and the, the scarlet and the wool and the blah, 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 all that stuff. Right? We're not talking about that, just that. We're talking about, we're talking about, what do I bring to the picture? What's my contribution? What is the scarlet in my life? What is the gold? What is the silver? What is the atse shitim? You know, where's that, my craziness over there, right? All that stuff. What am I bringing individually? How do I, how do I bring that to Hashem? And that's really what Pakude talks about. And, and one of the things that the Rebbe said in that for Brangin is that the or, we, we could also ask the question, which comes first? Do we build individuals and then make them a community? Or do we build a community and make sure everybody's an individual within them? And, and he says in that, and he said in that for Brainian, if you look at the order in Torah, first we have Vayakel and then we have Pekude. That meaning there is a place that the community does come first, but not at the expense of the individuality. But if we wait to perfect ourselves, we'll never get to the community part of the conversation. So therefore, he says, start with coming together. Start with being a community and then from there, um, you know, within that, what is my individual contribution? What is my individual voice? And how am I being heard? And how am I bringing myself to this picture? Because it's not enough to just say, oh, the community will, you know, it's for the greater good. Well, what, where do I fit in that? How do I sit with, how does that sit with me? And how do we balance those? So that was, uh, I just wanted to share that thought from the last rebranding that we had uh, with the Rebbe, um, up until this point. Were you there? I was not. I lived in Skokie. Uh, at that point, I actually lived in Israel. Oh. I was in Israel already. Cool. So, what is the Hebrew called? Do you know, like, how do you find it? It's Harsh Zvayakal, Tushin, and Bays. Somewhere up there? <laughs> My husband's here. He asked me. He'll tell you exactly where it is. Yeah. Okay. The Seder. Um, uh... Okay, so we have like, okay, so the first, thing, so back to our partial. We have over here the, the, the shot we had about Shabbos, and then we have all the, I, I want to point out one thing that's going to be very, 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 um, the beginning, Moshe's going to tell everybody what we need, and we need the curtains, and we need uh, the, the spices and everything. Okay, if you take a look at Shani, the original Shani, not the Shani, the Chayenus, which is going to be chapter 35, verse 21. Okay, it was actually in the middle of Rishon from yesterday. If you're following in your Chayenu, if you're following in a regular Chumash, so it's 35, 21. So we have, every single person whose heart was generous, and his spirit moved him. They brought their contributions to the construction of the Ayomaid, for all the work that we would need to do for it, and the holy garments. And the next Pasuk tells us, that the men came, Al Hanashim becomes, how is, it, how is anybody translated? Uh, 22, what? So, no, what does it say? The men came along with the women, everyone. Okay, so some translations are that the men came with the women. But if you say, who comes with, I went with you, who was the first one? You. You were the first one, right? So the men came with the women. So a lot of the commentators stop on this and they want to know, what does this mean that the men came with the women? And again, we're having this expression of a generous heart and they brought 
different parts, different kinds of jewelry. Um, and then everybody who wants to bring a contribution to Hashem. So um, a different Mepharshim bring different things. And one of the things that was, I found that was very interesting that the Ramban over here says that, um, that there's different types of things that a person has, okay? Um, he, sa- he, he says, uh, so the, the, no, the Ram says, first of all, he's, sorry, the Ramban, Nachmanides, first of all, he says that the, every, the, the jewelry is found more by the women, and that's why we have the listing after this is the, is the jewelry, because they had more of it. But he also talks, uh, he also talks about, um, sorry, it wasn't the Ramban, it was the Archaim. Sorry. So the Archaim talks about that there's different types of things that a person has. Um, and uh, the first thing that a person has are the, the items that are close to them. Their jewelry, their possessions. That's like in their level of what's important to me. The next thing that Archaim says is that everything that's gold is considered expensive and, and, and careful. The next thing the, the, Ramban, the Archaim says, sorry. The next thing the Archaim says is that... Um, Something that's only found by you. If you have an item, a one-of-a-kind item, an, an heirloom, something that was passed down, that has a lot of value to you whether or not the item is intrinsically value or not. He's basically counting like what... The Archaim is counting down levels of our possessions. What's, what's more important, what's less important. So you have like this. The first thing is says the things that are ours. My jewelry, my car, my house, my things. Then anything made of gold, that's, he, he's actually counting as the next level counting down. Okay, base, the second stratus, gold value. The next thing are things that are one of a kind or personal to you. Your grandmother's, something that you have. They may not be, they may not have intrinsic worth, but they are very valuable to you, right? And the last thing is, is all the rest of your possessions. That's like everything else, all your other stuff random stuff that you have. So it's like my personal stuff, gold, uh, one of a kind stuff that I have or that were passed down to me and then all my other stuff. And the, and the Archaim, he actually says two things. He says, if you take a look over here, the men took the jewelry from their wives. That's the first thing the Archaim says. He t- they took the jewelry from their wives because that was the most precious um, thing, the, the jewelry that the women had, so the Archaim actually says that the men took the women from the wives and gave it. He also says, and it's possible that the women brought, came with their jewelry, that's like his, his, his which I'm sort of highlighting a little bit more, where he says a bit of, and possibly is hinting, that the women came with their stuff and they said, here, take my jewelry, take my jewelry, and that was very, very valuable to Moshe. Meaning on the one hand, they're giving something that's so personal and so theirs and has value, but the way they give it, they didn't just say, you know, they came and they, they took it off themselves and they gave it to Moshe and, and that Hashem found very, very, very beautiful and very, very, um, you know, I don't want to say heartwarming, I don't know if that's the word, but that place of, of the generous spirit is saying, here, I'll take it, you know, I'll give it to you. Whatever it is, I'll give it to you. Um, I just actually thought of a story that I'm lightly connected to this, but, uh, but, it's, but I'm going to share it. Um, it's not actually so lightly connected. It's actually more connected. So uh, when the Chabad Hasidim were trying to get out of Russia towards the end of World War II, they, there was a, they were able to get out 
on Polish papers. There was a short amount of time that a lot of Poles had run into Russia during the war to get away from the Nazis, and then they were able to be repatriated back into Poland. So the Chabad Hasidim actually took a lot of, whether they had people who had come to the Poles, Poles who had come to Russia who had passed away, they took their papers and they left them false papers, whether they were forging papers, all this kind of stuff was going on. And, and at a certain point, they were all, there were a lot of Hasidim who were gathered, and they said, and, and the people had left like point A, wherever point A was, and they were going from point B, they were going to get onto the trains, and they were going to be able to leave. And something got jammed in the works, and they weren't able to leave on the trains immediately, and they needed to stay in that city for another week or two or whatever it was, and nobody had any money because they had, all, they had sold all their stuff. They didn't have houses. They were like renting places. Money was a real big issue. So the leaders of the Chabad community said to everybody, whatever you still have, everybody has something someplace, give it, we need to get everybody out of Russia. We need to have money to bribe the people and to pay for things and to pay for housing. We need to give the stuff out. And my grandparents who had some stuff, they gave, and my, and my grandmother was literally taking off all her jewelry and the rub said to her, keep your wedding band. Keep your wedding band and keep a ring that you got from your sister. Like everything else, like they just gave. Um, the rub said that to her? No, a rabbi, like the rabbi, the rabbi, not the rabbi. The rabbi was in America. Oh, he's already. He was, the rabbi then was already in, I think the rabbi was already in America, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, so the place of saying what, when I give it the stuff off of my hand, there's something very, very valuable about that. Um, so that's what, that's what the women were giving. Most of the commentaries talk about the idea that the women were coming first. And back to the conversation of who's on the God team, the women were always on the God team, right? The women were always on the side. Why, you know, when, when they said, oh, give us your jewelry for the, for the golden calf, the women were like, no, we're not doing it. And it wasn't because they wouldn't give their jewelry. It's like, for that, I'm not giving my jewelry, but we're building a house for God. For that, I'm going to give, I'm going to give, my, I'm going to give my jewelry. Um, I want to point out something that's funny. I, I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have an answer, okay? I don't have an answer. But if you take a look in... Verse 23 and 24, it's talking about what whoever, every, whoever had Asher Ito that was found by them. Chelet, Argamon, Tolat Shani, right? All these kind of, Argamon is like a purple thread. Um, all different kinds of stuff. If you have it, you know, could you bring it, right? And then it says, the next Pasuk, it says, uh, like halfway through the pasuk, v'chol asher nimtza ito atzei shitim v'chol melechet havod ha'heviu. Anybody who happened to have atzei shitim with them brought it. Now I could, und- I could, right? I could. No, I looked around. Nobody has anything to say about like that language. Like happen to have. You don't happen to. Have, you could happen to have gold or scarlet threads or something, right? You don't happen to have ten ama long boards to build a mishkan like that. No, what I'm saying is like they're they're no, what I'm saying is like the Torah describes it as you happen to have it, Shadimtsaito, that it was found by you. Right? And I'm saying that it isn't just found by you. This is something that people consciously said, we're leaving, we're gonna have to build a house for God, we're cutting down these trees and we're taking with them. That means it not everybody felt that way. I'm sure lots of people felt somebody's gonna bring them. But the the Asherim Saito for the people who felt, I really want to be part of this. I want to really be part of this the construction of this Mishkan, um, and they 
They didn't rely on somebody else. Like, I'll bring the gold and the, like I'll bring other stuff. Like that's so, insane. What's insane? Like they're leaving, obviously, and they're bringing all their stuff with and everything. And they're like, let's bring these massive stuff, things of wood. Like you don't think like that. But it's right. Mad. So no. So I want to say something. First of all. Not everybody thought like that because clearly not everybody had the wood. But enough people, enough people, and, and the, the, the Maharsha talk a lot about this, this nidivli um, bo, this generous spirit. Where is, where is the place that we step up and say, I'm not going to wait for somebody else to do it? Meaning, you're right. Everybody, when we talked about this, when we, when we spoke about the, the Atishitim the first time around, that we had it. That Yaakov brought these down. He planted them in Egypt. And he said, Hevra, when you leave Egypt, take these with you. You're going to need to build a house for God. Right? So it wasn't such a crazy thing. Oh my gosh, who would have thought about that? But within the millions of Jews who end up leaving Egypt, not everybody's like, Yala, let's go get a sword and chop down. Not a sword. Uh, a saw or axe or something. Let's go get these trees because we've got to build a house for God. They're busy doing gold and silver and stuff. So Asher and Saito, I'm just sort of highlighting it, it doesn't just randomly end up in your suitcase. I'd say she did. It doesn't just, it's somebody who thought about it while they were still in Egypt, said, we're going to leave, we're going to have to build a house for Hashem, and, and let's be prepared in a big scale, not just in the convenient, easy, like, shove some, you know, we have some gold. I'm not knocking the gold and the silver and all that kind of stuff. I'm not knocking those donations, you know, God forbid, I'm not. But I'm saying, like, for the people who went the extra mile and said, we're going to take the trees. We're taking the trees. So they knew they needed to, but I, I, I'm so, I know this is the wrong word. I'm not impressed and I'm not proud. Those are not the words that I need to be. But like, for the people who in Egypt said, I will step up to the plate and I will do it. And not say, somebody's going to do it. They said, I'll do it. I'll do it. And one of the things that, over here it says, um, in verse 29, Kal Yishri Isha Asher Nadav Libam, um, and oh, I was looking at this this morning. Of course, I don't know who said it anymore. Um, I, I forgot. It might have been the Arachim, but I'm not finding the Arachim right now. When Moshe said, let's do it, there were different types of people who came forward. You have the people who were like, whatever you need, I'm here. I'll do it. Right? Nadav their heart moved them to give it. Then the people were like, I'll give you material, I'll give you chacham lev, I'll give you advice, I'll give you stuff. But I think that, and, and I forgot which one first, I literally just saw it this morning. Um, I forgot who saw it. I'm not going to try to find it now, it's, I'll find it afterwards. Um, and, and said that the, the, nadiv li, li, the Nadiv Libo are the people who, when Moshe said, we're going to build a house for God, they came forward and they said, count me in. They didn't just go home and get their stuff, which is a big thing. Um, but, they, but they actually did it. And I know that you guys were, who was doing a sicha? Oh, Hannah, but she's not here now. Was doing a sicha on the women spinning the woods. It's not the woods. It's spinning the wool, right? Where did it say over here? Uh, uh, Oh yeah, and then in 26 it They spun from off the goats. They spun the hair off the goats. Um, and Rashi says that... Pull your hair out of your head. Does it hurt? Yeah. Not if you pull clumps. Take one. It doesn't hurt. 
What doesn't hurt? Clumping it. They're not clumping. They're taking one. They're 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 literally a sponge. Like what is spinning? spinning on the, Have you on seen the spinning? Yeah. No, they are. So Rashi, says, Rashi says, Rashi says, Tavosizim, Tavosizim, Haya Haitai Umanati Teirat. It's an extra level of craftsmanship. Sha'al Gabe Haizim Tavum Oisim. They were weaving from on top of the goats, the back of the goats. What? Okay? And, and one of the things that he talks about in Hasidis, what's the difference between spinning the goats here? And spitting the hair off the goats is that it comes from a higher level of creation. When you cut the hair, it becomes a domain. It becomes not living anymore. Mm-hmm. But when you spin it from off the, when you spin it off, the, it's coming from the animals. So the whatever they wove was from a higher level of. It's more. It's, it's not just a, a. It's not something that grows. It's something that's coming from the animal. It comes. It's a higher level. It's not just Rashi says it's a higher level of craftsmanship, but a Hasidus talks about it's a higher level of creation that's being incorporated into the Mishkan. And it's something, and I want to say one thing, and I know we said it last week, but I'm going to repeat it again. How did anybody know how to do this stuff? How did anybody know how to do this stuff? And the, the fact, exactly, the fact that they stepped up and they said, I will do it, enabled them to do it. The fact that they said, I, will, I want to be part of it, means that they were able to be part of it, okay? That makes, that makes sense now. What makes sense? Because it says in here, the ones who chose to do it, they were, like, gifted with Hashem's wisdom, so that... Yeah, 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 because, because they didn't know how to do it. Okay, I want to... We're, we're doing fine for time, we're doing fine for time. Um, I want to talk about Betzal for a second, and I don't have the exact... Um, let me see where it is. We're talking about... It's in Pekude. Okay, I want to say two things, first of all, Okay. Let's go, let's move over to Pekudei. Oh, no, I want to say, oh, this I want to say first of all, okay? The biggest difference, the biggest difference between these two Torah portions and Turum and Tetzaveh is that in Turum and Tetzaveh, Hashem is telling Moshe, this is what you should do, this is what you should do, you should do. And in these two Torah portions, almost word for word, we have, and they did it. They did it like Moshe, like Moshe told them. Moshe. Let's see if anybody's who's going to be the first one to find it. It's all over the two parshiyos that they did it. Vayas, they made it. They did it. They did it. Uh, maybe it's going to be a Pakude more. No, that's what they did. But then in, in, they're going to talk about. Uh, they did it. Who's going to find her me first? Okay, I found one. Chapter 39, verse 5. Kasher tziva Hashem es Moshe. And then in verse 7. Kasher tziva Hashem es Moshe. And again, in... Uh, it's going to come again there soon. Okay, in 21. Kasher tziva Hashem es Moshe. We're going to have over and over and over again. You're going to have it all the time. All the time. The biggest difference is that they did it. Kasher tziva Hashem es Moshe. And, um, huh? To in. All over, whatever they did. Kasher tziva Hashem es Moshe, like Hashem told Moshe, like Hashem commanded Moshe. It's in Pekude. It's more, I'm finding it more in Pekude. Um, and one of the things that the biggest difference between Terum et and Vayakon Pekude is that Kisisa was in the middle. That, that the Cheta Egel came in the middle of this conversation and the, what they have learned and what this Mishkan is teaching them again is it's not what I think a relationship with Hashem should look like. It's what Hashem 
says a relationship a relationship should look like, and am I able to go into that space? Can I do it because Hashem told Moshe, because Hashem taught this to Moshe? Can I go into that space? And if I can, then I got the point. And if I can't, then I'm still serving a golden calf that just looks a little bit different. And I think that for us, when we talk about building our Mishkan and building our Beis HaMikdash, can we step into the question, which is not a little question, what does Hashem want of me now? And when we say, it's much easier when you have a Moshe saying, this is what Hashem wants you to do right now. But when we are honest and we listen to ourselves and we maybe take advice from somebody who knows us and knows what's good for us, what does Hashem want of me right now? That is the most important question we could possibly ask in our relationship with Hashem because it shifts. That what Hashem wants of me, it's going to shift from today to tomorrow to the next day to when I'm married, when I have children, when I'm all the stages of my life, it's going to constantly shift. And if I can ask myself that question, what does Hashem want of me now, then we will be ahead of the game. So I want to give us a bracha that we be open, kasher tziva Hashem Moshe, to hear what does Hashem want of us now. What are we supposed to be doing now? Where we are in this stage of our life, in this place of our life, what, do, what does Hashem want of us right now? So that's my bracha to all of us. The other thing that I want to talk about, and in the beginning we are talking about Batal starting to do the work, so we know that Moshe tells him, as Hashem told, as Hashem told Moshe. You can't use too many pronouns, because then you don't know who you're talking about anymore, right? Right, Hashem says to Moshe to make it. What was the first thing Hashem said to make? Who remembers? Menorah. Before. Long time ago. What, Hashem, what was the first thing Hashem said to make? Menorah. Nope. Before the menorah. What was the first thing Hashem said to make? Uh, close, close, close. Yes, exactly. The ark with the crew in the thing that was going to be in the Holy of Holies. That was the first item that we were told to make. And then when Batsal comes around and he's making the Mishkan, the first thing that he makes is... Is like the, it's the walls. It's the walls. The first thing he does is the walls. He the first thing he does is the walls and the coverings. And Moshe's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Where would we put the ark?" I understand, like you want to. uh, I understand, like that's the first thing I should have said. That is the focus, the focus, and the focal point of the whole thing. But where would we put it? You can't get furniture and stick it in the middle of the room, and you don't build the room around it. And Moshe says. His name, Bitzalel, if you could break it up into two words, Bitzel, Kel, in the shadow of God. He said, you must have been there when Hashem gave me the instructions. Because Hashem gave me the instructions from the most important to like the periphery. But he, oh, Hashem also said, but make it in the reverse. And, Hashem, and Moshe did not, in fact, give that information to Bitzalel. But Bitzalel knew you need to have the space and then you could bring the vessels inside that space. Correct, correct. Correct, correct, correct. You're right, it makes sense. But, but he, if the question is, um, am I, do I just follow what I was told? Yeah. Or where do I put in my common sense? And is that serving a golden calf? Sort of, I think it should be like that. That's... It's they had Ikea instructions and they made it their own. Maybe, but maybe, but not. Um, but I want I want to say something that I've been thinking about. I, I I've been thinking about a lot over the last like two years, and I've spoken about it a lot. And I don't know if I spoke about it with you, but I want to I want to bring it up anyway. Uh, one of the things that Pitzal starts with is actually making the space, 
right? He creates, he, bo- he, he delineates what is the space going to look like. He doesn't put it up. I mean, he's not putting it up right at this point. Moshe's going to put it up. But he's creating the borders and the framework for where, <coughs> excuse me, where the holy will be, where the holy of holies will be. He's, he's getting all the pieces ready. And one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot, so this is sourced in my head and my heart, not anyplace else, is that as women, um, when we want to create holy space, we need to start with the borders. We need to start with healthy borders. We need to start with where do things start and where do things end. And within that space, I can now have holiness. Within... Meaning, if you remember, the court, you have a big courtyard going on, and then within the courtyard, you have the Olamoy that has the Holy and the Holy of Holies, and there's grades of holiness, and who could go where, and who could come there, and who's allowed to be here, right? Um, in our lives, the people who love us the most will take everything from us in a good place, in a good way. I'm not talking about mean, malicious, abusive. I'm not talking about sexual relationship. I'm talking about, you know... You know, in pregnancy, they always said, like one of the old wives' tales, that each pregnancy you lose a tooth. Oh. Right? So, so in modern terminology, what does it mean? Is that the baby will take whatever it needs. If you aren't, in, if you aren't consuming enough calcium, they will take it from your teeth. The baby will be okay. And I remember one of my girls talking, and there was, we were talking about, she was talking to the doctor, and the doctor was saying how important it is to take calcium pills or whatever, iron, calcium... I think it was mostly calcium they were talking about then. And they're like, oh, because for the baby, and they're like, the baby's gonna be okay. The baby's gonna be fine. Are you gonna be okay when this comes out? When we're finished with this whole process, please God, of this pregnancy, will you have all your teeth? Or because you didn't take care of yourself, the people who love you the most drained you. And and when we talk about a Vesamikdash, we talk about a Mishkan, we talk about a personal space, if we don't create holy boundaries for ourselves and say, this is the space that these people are allowed in, these are the space that these are allowed in, this is the space, this is the holy of holies, I need my own space. And I'm not saying like, you know, I love, I love to blame everything on the Americans. I'm not saying everybody needs like me time and pamper yourself and take care of yourself. But yeah, you do need to. Like, there, it's like, I feel sometimes like, like it's gone to the extreme of the other end of everybody taking so much care of themselves they forget to take care of the people that they're also responsible to. I want to give us the biggest, biggest bracha that we are able to create healthy boundaries and to create space for ourselves because when we are in a healthy space, when we are in a, in a, a place of, we were talking about yesterday in Opan, of roga, of calm, of menuchas hanefesh, of... I don't remember how we translated that, right? When we're in that good space, we are able to give and then we create holiness. And God forbid, when we're just a mess, everything around us is a mess. So I want to give us a bracha, A, to know that we have to put up the walls, to not judge them as being bad, because like, it's not. Healthy borders are the most important thing that we can do in our lives and to have the courage to actually do it and to say, this is what I need and this is what I need from you and to be able to create and say, and now that we have this space, here could be my holy, here's my holy of holies, here's my menorah, here's my shulchan, here's my, here's my, my altar. Everything fits in when we have healthy borders. So that is really my mamish, my biggest bracha to all of us is that we Amazing. sort of put it all together. Um, okay, I want to talk about one of three of the vessels that I was going to talk about, but 
when we started talking about the vessels, but we didn't. And remember, we, a few weeks ago, we talked about the table, the gold, the, the uh, we talked about the table, we talked about the ark, and we talked about the altar, that they each had a crown on them. Vaguely familiar? It had a crown, and we said some they had different dimensions. No. No. Okay, so the, there are three items in the Mishkan that had little crowns, little gold crowns on them. One was the altar. Both of the altars actually had. One was the table where the bread was, and one was the ark where the, the Torah was. And all of those things have different dimensions. So the ark, which has, a, which had, and the, the archaim, uh, sorry, the Kliakr talks about it in Parshish Truma. So that's why I brought the red Chlomish then we do it and we never got around to it. So the ark, the ark has the luchas in it, right? And it has, a, it has a crown around it. And the dimensions of the ark are all broken. Two and a half by two and a half by one and a half. I'm the altar it, or the ark? The ark. That's the first one. Is the what third do you mean one. Father, the ark? Two and a half um, amas. I'm making oh. up the dimensions. Don't, don't quote me on these. But they, it was like, two and, I think it was two and a half amas why the, the width, the length, and the depth. They were all broken numbers. They were not complete numbers. Okay. Okay? Yeah. yeah. Um, and we could look in the postdoc and see exactly what it was. And, and the, the Kliakar says that, that the ark represents Torah and our relationship with Torah. And if we want to have, if we want to connect to Torah, it can only be if we don't feel ourselves as so full. If we feel ourselves as missing, as needing something, we're partial, then, um, then we can access Torah. If we think that we have all the answers, then we are not open to hearing Torah. And he actually says that the width and the breadth and the depth are the three things that stop somebody from acquiring Torah. When it's like three feet wide plus not, No, no, no. It's partial numbers. It's not three. With depth, with breadth and depth, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Height, yeah. width, and depth, yes? Yes. Okay, so if I look at the width and I say, there is too much for me to learn, I could never learn all of that, that's our first blockage to Torah. If we say, I am not deep enough, I am not smart enough, I do not have all the facilities that I need in order to get it, that will also stop us. And if we say, um, and and, and, there's the width, there's depth, I can't do it, it's too much. I don't have enough time. And I don't have enough time to do it. It's going to take my whole life. All of those things are things that stop us in our relationship to Torah. So to be able to step back and say, we can, even, we don't have to get all of it. We just have to not be afraid of saying, how can I get all of it? We won't get all of it. Newsflash, none of us are gonna get all of Torah, but can we get part of Torah? Can we do as much as we're able to? Can we strive to do more? That's what's, that's what's being asked of us. And the same thing is true. If you look at the shulchan, the table which represents our sustenance, it has, some of them have whole numbers and some have broken numbers, partial numbers. And it's because when we talk about our physicality, there's a certain place where we have to be able to say, I'm getting this from Hashem. It is, he is complete. Therefore, I am complete. And I get everything that I need from him. And the broken part is where we say, I don't have to get every single thing that I want. Like, there's, I could put a break on some place in my physical needs. Do I need everything? I should be able to acknowledge the whole number. I'm getting it from Hashem. And whatever Hashem gives me, is what I need, and also the things that we want to say, eh, maybe I'm 
me, you put a little curve on it. And the altar, which brings atonement, is all complete. Because when we, whenever we do tshuva, whenever we come back to Hashem, and as much as we do, we have to understand that it is 100% forgiven. We are 100% received as long as we're giving it with our heart, the carbon, right? We talk about Cairo, we're coming close to Hashem. As long as we're doing it completely and fully, then it's 100% accepted and we don't have to then doubt, is it, did it, it? No. We did it properly, we're doing the best we can, and, it is, and we are 100% forgiven. So I want to give us a massive, massive, massive bracha. There is so much happening. There is the double parsha. There's Shabbos Mubarakim. There's Hachodesh. Everything's going on at the same time. So I want to give us a bracha that, oh, and Chazak. And Chazak. We also have Chazak over here. Okay, and we know we spoke about this before that Shemos is called the, the Sefer HaGeula, the Chumash HaGeula, that it, the Book of Redemption. So I want to give us the biggest bracha to try to combine all of those things together. That as, Wait, first Shemos, of all... Shemos is considered Book of Redemption? Book of Redemption, yeah. Wait. Yeah, Sefer It's oh. called Sefer Gula. Because it starts with the Exodus and it ends with building a home for God. Oh, okay. Right? Meaning it doesn't end with the Exodus doesn't, Geula doesn't finish when you're out of a bad place. Geula ends when you can build a home for God. Hmm. Right? We've yeah, spoken yeah, about, yeah, we've spoken about, yeah, okay. we've spoken about that. Um, okay, so I want to give us a bracha. Two things. First of all, if we make it to Shul, and we hear chazak, chazak, v'nit chazek, we should take it as a personal, not a challenge, a personal boost of energy for us. Chazak, chazak, v'nit chazek. We are stepping into our relationship with Hashem, and we should, be, we should take energy from everybody because even in the commercials, they're going to shout it out way better than you guys did. And to understand that wherever it is that we go, Hashem is leading us. We're, going to, we're, we're working to make a home for Hashem. We are, I want to give us a bracha that we understand that every single thing that we do is following in the footsteps of the Hashem sets us where he wants us to go. We're headed in the direction that he wants us to go. Sometimes it feels like we're detouring a little bit, but all of those detours are part of the whole story. He didn't forget about us, and we're doing this in the month of crossing over from Adar to Nisan. We should be open to seeing beautiful miracles, amazing brachas, and from a place of simcha, we should be able to actually really see the geula in the most real, tangible, practical way to understand that we are part of community and we have our own strong voice and we need to blend it together in order to, to make the gula happen. For us, to, we, can't just, we can't just sit back passively and say, somebody's going to do it. We should step up to the plate and say, we're going to do it. Have an awesome rest of the day and an awesome 